Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Force. Join us now for a service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Come thirsty. I want you to pray with me. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for the privilege that we have and the opportunity of being able to worship you right here in America, in the land of the free and the home of the brave. A place where we can worship you, Lord, without fear of someone bursting in and stopping us from worshiping you. Lord, I pray that you would touch me to be able to effectively communicate this message with passion, with intensity, but also at the same time with great love. Help people feel my heart today and feel the heart of God today as we minister today. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The purpose of this message today is to try to help us to understand that we need God in our lives. We need the move of God. Now, I've been in the ministry all of my life. I'm one of those unique people, and I don't make any apologies for that. I preached my first message 40 years ago when I was a boy, child. And... I'm thankful that the Lord has helped. I've seen so many things that's happened through the years. I've watched the church go through cycles. I watched it go through the charismatic renewal. I watched it through the word cycle. I watched it through the faith cycle. I watched it through intense worship cycle. I watched it all these different cycles. I've watched the church and been a witness to the move of God in different generations from generation to generation to generation. What I've noticed is that it seems like for every generation, God has a predetermined and prescribed move for that generation. But that move of God does not come until people start getting hungry for God, until they start getting thirsty for God, until they want the move of God in their life and the presence of God in their life more than they want their next meal, more than they want to go to the ball field, more than, I mean, they, you, you understand him. Here's what Jesus said. He said, He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. The bottom line is we got to get to the point where we've got to get thirsty for God. We've got to get hungry for God. God has to become a priority in our life again. If we want God to move in America, then we're going to have to prioritize God back in America. I mean, when they take prayer out of schools, when they try to take under God out of the flag, when they're trying to take in God we trust off of our currency, it's worked for 225 years. Why would we take it off? Whether people want to believe it or not, this country was founded on Christian, Judeo-Christian principles. We are a Christian nation. We're a Christian nation. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. We're going to have to get thirsty for this move of God. I chose this passage of Scripture and we'll we'll look at it a little bit more later. But I chose this passage of Scripture because I wanted you to see when he talks about pouring water. Then down here it says, I will pour my spirit. So I wanted you to see the correlation between pouring water and pouring spirit. And I wanted you to see that the water is a type of the Spirit of God. What this means when I say come thirsty is we have to become thirsty for the move of God. Our spirits have to become thirsty for the move of God. Uh, And I want to talk to you today about four different words, desperation, agitation, passion, and aggression. Four words that describe biblical thirst. Desperation. We have to become desperate for the move of God. 
We have to say, God, I'm not satisfied coming to church on Sunday morning and just going through the motions. I don't know about you. I'm not what you would call a cookie-cutter preacher, and I don't want to pastor a cookie-cutter church. I want, I want to pastor people who when they come to church, they're coming to seek the face of God. They're coming to experience God. I want to pastor people who have an appetite for the move of God. You know, we get, to, we get in this rut. I mean, we expect to sing three songs. We expect someone to get up and pray for people. We expect someone to receive the offering, maybe a special song, and the preacher get up and do three points in a poem and everybody leave and feel ooey, gooey, gooey. The problem is, is the next day we're no different than we were the day before when we came to church. And my concern today is that we become passionate about God again. That we become desperate for the move of God again. We need to prioritize God in our life. The second thing is agitation. We have to get agitated with mediocrity. We have to say, you know what? I'm tired of things being the way that they are. God can't stir us unless we're willing to let Him change us. I said, God can't stir us unless we're willing to let Him change us. So we have to get agitated with the devil getting his way. We have to get agitated with powerless preaching and powerless prayers. We have to get agitated with people professing to have the power of God but not being able to produce the power of God in their life. We have to get agitated with those things. We have to make up our mind. I'm not going to live the next five years of my life the way I lived the last five years of my life because I'm not on cruise control here. I want to press in there. I want to accelerate into the kingdom, God's system, and God's ways of doing things. I want God to constantly grow me. I want God to constantly stretch me. I want God to constantly change me. And when we get comfortable, then we get complacent. And when we get complacent, we start stagnating. And when we stagnate then we get diseased and die and we got to say God I'm not going to be stagnant anymore I don't want there to be cobwebs in my spirit somebody else can have that those cobwebs in their spirit but God I don't want cobwebs in my spirit I want to experience you every day because you said your mercies are new every morning Lord I want to experience the freshness of your presence every day Passion is something that, that being thirsty is talking about. Being passionate for God. Being passionate for the things of God. And then getting aggressive towards God. Pursuing God. Going after God. Saying, God, I'm, I'm not satisfied with the way that things are. I want to pursue you. There are three biblical examples that I want to share with you today. King David in Psalms chapter 27 and verse 4 says this. He says, One thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and not just dwell there, but when I'm there, I want to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in His temple. In other words, I want to seek after God. I want to get to know God. And so all of his life, King David on the hills of Bethlehem, Judea, developed a relationship with God. He was playing his harp. He was crying out to God. He was getting close to God. And throughout his life, there were times when he faltered and there were times when he failed. He committed adultery. He committed murder. He made bad choices. He made bad decisions. But he would come back to God and he would pray prayers like, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. 
And so what David would do, he would say, God, I messed up again, but God, I want you to recreate inside of me again. He kept going back to God over and over and over and God kept kept pouring His grace upon him and God kept pouring His mercy upon him and, and, and David became addicted to the presence of the Lord to the point where he said, this is the thing that I desire the most of God. I desire to dwell in His temple and to behold His beauty and to inquire or learn of God while I'm there. Then the next place is this woman with the issue of blood. The Bible said that she pressed through the crowd. You can read it there in Mark chapter 5. She pressed through the crowd. She had an issue of blood for 12 years. And she pressed through the crowd because she had heard of Jesus. She'd heard of the supernatural power of God. She'd heard of the touch of God. She'd heard that if I can just touch the hem of His garment, I know that I will be made whole. So she went on her pursuit of God. And she pressed her way through the crowd and she probably got kicked and her fingers probably got stepped on and people probably ridiculed her and hollered at her and screamed at her and criticized her. But in her mind she was focused on if I can just touch the hem of his garment I know that I shall be made whole. The hem of a Jewish garment was a symbol of the covenant of God. And when she reached up and touched the hem of Jesus' garment Jesus turned around and said, Who touched me? And the disciples said, Lord, there are people that throng you and you're saying who touched me? And Jesus said, but I perceive that virtue or power has gone out of my body. There is something about the pursuit of God in faith that attracts the power of God or the transfer of God's power into our heart and into our life. I'm praying and asking God that God will help us here at Lakewood to start pursuing God again. I'm asking Him to help us to understand that, you know what? We can live in peace and that's wonderful and we do that. And we can experience the joy in the presence of the Lord and that's fine and we do that. But I'm asking God to give us an appetite for the move of God because you know something? It's not just about us. There's 475,000 people that live in this county and only 6 to 8% of them go to church on Sunday morning. How many hundreds or thousands of people have went by us on Highway 52 this morning that don't know God? They're going fishing or they're going boating or they're going something like that. And I don't say that finding fault. I'm saying someone has never introduced them to Jesus Christ. It's not their fault. It's the church's fault. And we've got to get to the point where we become hungry for the move of God, where we develop an appetite for the move of God so the Spirit of God can draw these people in and help them make the quality decision to allow Jesus to not just be Savior but also to become the Lord of their life. Then the third place is the Apostle Paul. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 10, here's what the Apostle Paul said. What things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Now this was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, rose above his equals. He wrote 13 books of the 26 books of the New Testament. And here's what he's saying. What things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. So what he was saying was when I made a transition to live for Jesus, it cost me everything. Anybody that tells you when you make a decision to live for Christ that it's not going to cost you anything is telling you a lie. It'll cost you everything. 
It'll cost you everything. To live the life that's totally and completely surrendered to God and pray prayers like, Lord, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll do what you want me to do. When the Lord called us to come to Florida eight years ago, we had never even entertained the idea. It had never crossed our mind. You're probably in that boat right now. It had never crossed our mind. But the Lord spoke that to us and that we were supposed to come here. And we're like, Lord, everybody wants to go to Florida. And then I found out that the Lord wanted me to come here because He knew that I didn't like to be in the sun and so, and I didn't like gators and I didn't like snakes and I don't consider a good time going out there in the sand and burning up and turning out like a lobster. So the Lord knew if I send Jonathan, he won't spend the whole time on vacation because he'll be looking to go back to the mountains for his vacation. And so I'll send him down there and I'll put... You know, my idea of a good vacation is a shade tree, a glass of sweet tea, and a guitar. And a nice chair. And a nice breeze. Preferably about the third week of October when the leaves are changing. That's my idea of a good vacation. So the Lord said, I'll send Jonathan down there and I'll send Donna down there. But we had no idea. And when we left, we left everything that we knew, everybody that we knew. We got down here and knew no one. No one. And it was difficult. Exit 110, Interstate 75, there in Lexington, watching my mother and father-in-law wipe tears in the rearview mirror as I took off in that U-Haul, knowing that it hurt the family, but following the call of God. And a wonderful wife that said, if God spoke it, we'll do it. And I know it hurts, but we'll do it. And so we did it. And look, because of that, I get the opportunity to be your pastor here today, eight years later. The Apostle Paul said, I lost everything. Three different times in our life, we have lost everything that we have for the sake of the gospel. Three different times. We just keep going. We just keep going. Why? Because we love God more than we hurt. We love the lost more than, than what we want for ourselves. And you know something that we found out? is the more we sacrifice, the more He blesses us. The more we give, the more He blesses us. It might be rough for a couple of weeks, but tomorrow's coming. And next week is coming. And next month is coming. And God is true to His Word. And God will take care of you. And God will bless you. And God will feed you. And God will clothe you. And God will expand you. And God will be God to you if you'll let Him be God. And you can be His people. The Apostle Paul said, I lost it all. And he said, but I count those things that done that dung that I might win Christ. And he said, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And then he goes on, verse number 10, and you see the, the drive of his heart, the desire of his heart. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. So we have David in the Old Testament. One thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek after that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Then we have the woman who, who pressed through the crowd and received her miracle. Then we have the Apostle Paul who said, I lost everything and the heart, my heart's cry is that I might know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. Sounds to me like these folks were thirsty for the move of God. They were hungry for the move of God. 
The prophet Isaiah spoke of this thirsting for God. In Isaiah 44, 1 through 5, he said, Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee, and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou, Jeserun, whom I have chosen. And here's our springboard scripture. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thine offspring. Now look at verse number 4. And they shall spring up as among the grass. This is talking about your offspring. They shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the watercourses. And one shall say, I am the Lord's. And another shall call himself by the name of Jacob. And another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord and surname himself by the name of Israel. If you want your children to serve God, if you want your children to worship God, then you've got to get thirsty for the move of God. You've got to get hungry for the move of God, desperate for the move of God, agitated at the way things are, passionate about God, pursuing God. And when you do that, the Bible says that God's blessing will not only come upon you, but it'll come upon your offspring. I don't know about you, but I love my kids. They're not kids anymore. They're grown up now. But I love my daughters. They'll be 25 in a few weeks. I love my twin daughters. I love my 21-year-old son. I even love my little nephew right here on the front row. I love him. I love him. I've known him since before he was born, obviously. I love my family. I love them enough to stay faithful to God because I realize my relationship with God will affect their relationship with God. And when my children someday, if I go by the way of the grave, I want them to remember that their daddy was a man of God. I want them to remember that their daddy loved God more than life itself. I want them to remember that he loved God more than he hurt. That his dedication for God was so strong that it didn't matter what the devil threw at him. That his dedication and his love for God just pulled him through it. And I want the blessing that God puts upon my life to increase upon my children's life to the point where they are starting to call themselves blessed. Where they're starting to call themselves by the name of Israel. I'm blessed. I have the favor of God. I have the blessing of God. I have the abundance of God in my life. As a parent, I have to lead the way. You say, my kids are grown up. You're not dead. Start living for God in front of them right now. You don't have to become a Jesus freak. Just live out your love for God in front of your kids. Let them hear you pray. Let them hear you pray. Let them see your dedication. Let them see your love. Water signifies the Spirit of God. If you're thirsty for God, God will pour out His Spirit on you. That outpouring is manifested in several ways. One way is through personal revival. God, I want you to touch my family. Oh, God, would you please touch my family? God, would you pour your Spirit out upon my family? You're praying wrong. You're praying wrong. How are you supposed to pray? Here's how you're supposed to pray. Lord, would you pour your spirit out upon me? Lord, would you touch me? Lord, would you reveal things inside of me that are separators between you and myself, Lord? Lord, I want to be close to you. I want to be a person of revival. Because see, if you become revived, then what, gets, then what comes in you can splash out of you and then your children can experience the move of God. We're so busy praying for other people that we're not, we're not taking care of business ourselves. 
personal revival, getting thirsty for God personally. I want God to bless my kids. Sure, I want God to bless my kids. But I understand that in order for God to bless my kids, that he's got to bless me. And I've got to live a surrendered life unto the Lord, crying out to God and saying, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll be what you want me to be. God, I'll do what you want me to do. The outpouring is manifested in several ways. Personal revival. It's manifested through the manifest presence of God. I realize we carry the presence of God with us every single day. We're the temple of God. We're the place where God dwells. I'm talking about a different kind of presence. I'm talking about the manifested presence of God. I'm not just talking about the presence of God. I'm talking about the manifested presence of God. Lord, everywhere that I go, I want to see the the outward manifestation of your presence. What made it to where when Smith Wigglesworth would walk into a factory over in London, England and walk down the hallway in that factory, that great men, men, big men, men's men would shut down their machines and fall on their face before God and give their life to God. Men that didn't even know who he was. What was it? It was the outward manifestation of the presence of God. Dr. Summerall told some of us, he said, when he would meet with with Smith Wigglesworth, he said Smith Wigglesworth would tell him, he would say, every single day I go up here to the park. And he said, I won't leave until I win somebody to Jesus Christ. And Dr. Summerall said, I asked him, well, how do you do that? Do you go around and talk to people? Smith Wigglesworth said, no, I go sit on a bench and I pray. I sat on that bench and I prayed and the presence of God got so strong on that bench that the lost would be attracted to Smith Wigglesworth and every single day he won at least one person to the Lord. Could you imagine winning a minimum of 365 people a year to the Lord? It wasn't because he worked at it, it was because he lived in the presence of God. He just lived in the presence of God. The presence of God was strong upon him. The outpouring is manifested through personal revival, manifest presence of God, blessings, power, and anointing. Being thirsty for God will expand your relationship with God. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Touch your neighbor and say, Get thirsty. Get thirsty. Blessed, blessed, blessed. That means empowered to prosper. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. When a person is thirsty for God, you don't have to convince them to be faithful to church. When a person gets thirsty for God, things like worship and prayer and fasting and intercession and staying in the Word don't have to be encouraged. They become a lifestyle. When I was a kid, I couldn't wait to get to church. Now, parents tell their kids, you have to go to church, and they fight them all the way. You know why? Because the parents, when they get to church, think they're at a social club instead of a place where they're going to meet with God. When we came to church, the first thing that we did was come in the back door and head straight to the altar. We might say hello to somebody on the way down the aisle, but our primary thing was get to the altar, fall on our knees, get a hold of God for 10 or 15 minutes, and then in our case, get up there. And at that time, I played lead guitar, so I would get up to play the lead guitar. 
The bottom line is when we came to church, we were focused on, on connecting with God. We were focused on, and on receiving from God. We couldn't wait for the altar call at the end of the service. It'd be like, how many songs are they going to sing? How long is that preacher going to preach? I can't wait to get in the altar. And we'd have two and three hour altar services. I'm not talking about old prayer warriors. Oh, they were there. I'm talking about young people in the altar seeking God, going after God. And today we don't have that. I'm so intense about this today because I have a passion to see God move in this generation again. Listen, serving God is not a game. It's not a game. It's something that we as parents have to teach our children how to do. When a person's thirsty for God, you don't have to convince them to go to church. They can't wait for the church doors to open. We have people in this church that drive many miles to come to church here. <coughs> there was a period of time here, not too, well, a couple of years ago, where we literally had a family that drove over every Sunday from Daytona. I said, isn't there a good church in Daytona? She said, there's not a Lakewood. Come thirsty. John 7, 37 through 39. John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Here's what God was saying. He was saying, you know what? You can be thirsty and get a drink or you can just get a well. He said, you can get a drink or you can just get a well. Jesus was telling him, if you're thirsty, come to me. And he spoke because the Holy Spirit had not been given. But now in Acts chapter 2, the Bible said, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as a fire, and it set upon them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. Jesus was telling them here, He said, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water and then verse 29 said he spake of the spirit which had not yet been given but now it's been given what Jesus is saying is you, you can come thirsty but you can get that thirst satisfied and you can live in such a way where there is a well of my spirit inside of you that flows out of you bringing, bringing drinks to other people around you that are thirsty for the move of God how do I get filled with the Spirit of God? I've got to pray. I've got to seek. I've got to tarry. I have to pray in faith. Now, See, I mentioned this in the first service. You know, there's about 10 or 15 years ago, there was a teaching that came out that actually it may have come out even, even earlier than that that said if you pray for something more than once, then you're not praying in faith. There's a whole group of the church that grabbed that teaching and said, okay, I'll pray about it one time, and then I won't pray about it anymore because I don't want to pray in unbelief. Well, let me tell you something. That was a trick of the devil to get you off your knees and get you to stop praying. 
If, if I pray and ask God to move for me today and He does it today, then tomorrow I'm coming back to God and I'm going to get on my knees and ask Him to do it again. That, my friend, is faith. Because I keep coming back to the only one that I know has the source for me. And so I'm going to pray every single day until I receive. You see, the enemy is, is doing everything in the world that he can to get us off of our knees. He's doing everything in the world he can to stop the church from praying. He's trying to help people reason things instead of putting themselves in a position where they can receive what they need from God by revelation. So what we have done is we've traded revelation for reason and if we can't reason it out, then we say, well, I just don't know. Maybe God doesn't want to move. Listen, the carnal mind cannot conceive the things of the Spirit of God, their foolishness unto Him, because they're spiritually discerned. There are some things that you will never experience or never understand until you get into the flow of God's presence and the flow of God's power, and the only way to do that is to come thirsty. Lord, I'm going to position you. I'm going to position myself to receive from you. I'm going to position myself to receive a drink, Lord. I'm going to position myself to receive a well. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, Lord, that out of my belly should flow rivers of living water. God's the God of the overflow. The overflow is manifested in the anointing and it flows from us and creates great floods of revival in those that are around us you would have never heard the name Charles Finney had it not been for two unnamed grandmas that got a hold of him over in England in a back room when he was getting ready to preach and they took him in that back room, got him down and would not let him up until he broke through in prayer. You would have never even known his name. It rises and falls on prayer. Notice the word is floods. Instead of flood singular there in John chapter 7. God never wants there to be an end to revival being poured out in our homes, in our church, in our state, in our city, in our nation, in the world. It's God's desire to keep us in a continuous state of revival. God's desire to keep us in a continuous state of the freshness of the presence of God. The freshness of the, of the move of God. I realize you don't get this kind of teaching and this kind of preaching in most churches. Listen, I'm not satisfied being a social club. We do a lot of things for fellowship. There's over 40 ministries that flow out of here into our community and some are in-house and some are out-house. <laughs> and every now and then we go through the list and we say is it still working if it's still working we keep it up and if we feel like the season has passed we just table it and ask God what he wants us to do next and, and that's wonderful and that's great I mean we need to be in the community we need to be loving people we need to do the, you know, the things that we do to, to try to you know, feed the hungry and clothe the naked and, and uh, you know, provide an influence in our culture and different things of that nature we need to do those things but more than all of that we need to be a people of prayer we can, we can get so busy doing that we forget being We can get so busy being busy that we lose our identity in the minutia of busy life. What we need to do is we need to say, Lord, I want to live a life that is totally and completely directed 
by you. I was going through a very difficult, I didn't share this in the first service, but I was going through a very difficult time about 15 years ago. Personal, personally, I've always loved God, but I was going through a very difficult time in ministry, in a, pers- in a personal. And I was praying one day. It was about 3 o'clock in the morning, and I was walking across up the north fork of the Licken River in eastern Kentucky out of Moorhead. And it started to rain, and I fell in the mud. And I cried out to God. And God spoke to me, and he said, Jonathan, he said, you can't change your past, but if you'll let it go, I'll give you a future. And I laid there in the mud, and I gave to God every success and every failure that I ever had. And I said, God, whatever life you want me to live, I'm going to live it by your design. From this day forward, I'm done trying to build ministry. From this day forward, I'm done trying to make things happen. From this day forward, if you show me the path, I'll put one foot in front of the other and wait for you to meet me there. And from that day until this, there has been a peace that passes all understanding because I realize now that I'm living a God-designed life. There are some of you today that need to turn loose of your past just like David did. There are some of you today that need to quit allowing your history to stop you from embracing your destiny. There are some of you today that need to just come to God thirsty and say, God, I want you to move in my heart. God, I want you to move in my life. It's not about me, God. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I desire. It's not about me shining. I've said it many times. There are no stars in this church. There's one. His name is Jesus. He's the bright and the morning star. And as long as we live in his shadow, we'll be successful. As long as we reflect the glory to him, we'll be successful in your personal life. You need to live in his shadow. You need to stay in his footsteps. You need to lean back into his arms. You you need to realize, God, sometimes I don't have the answers. And when I don't have the answers, I just lean on you. And I trust in you because you're my God and I belong to you. Lord, I come to you thirsty. Lord, I come to you hungry. I need your move in my life. Hallelujah. All of this depends on us being thirsty for God. The Bible says when we thirst for God, the overflow will be poured out upon us and upon our descendants. In Joel chapter 2, The Bible says in the last days afterward I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams and your your young men will see visions and upon my servants and handmaids in those days will I pour out of my spirit and they shall prophesy. It's talking about the move of God. When it says in the last days afterward you can find that once again in the book of Acts when Peter stood up and he preached there on Solomon's porch and he said, these men are not drunk as ye suppose, seeing it is but at the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And then he quoted that same scripture verbatim and left one word out. He said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. When you study that scripture in the book of Joel, you'll find out that word afterward means after Israel becomes a nation. Israel became a nation in 1948. We are living in the days where the prophet said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your young men will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams and on my servants and handmaids in those days, I'll pour out my spirit and they'll prophesy. We're living in those days. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying we position ourselves for the move of God by our thirst for him. 
We position ourselves for what God wants to do in this generation by our thirst for Him. I am not so addicted to the last move of God that I cannot identify what God's trying to do today. And when God moves today, I don't want to be so addicted to that move that in 15 or 20 years, when God tries to move again, I'm so addicted to this one that I can't recognize the next one. God's a God of change. He doesn't change, but His methods do. His methods do. If we want our family saved, if we want them filled with the Holy Spirit, if we want them radically in love with Jesus, then we need to start getting thirsty for God. Check this out. Mom and Dad, it starts with you. You are your kids' heroes. Whatever you do, however you conduct yourself, is what your children will model. You can't run off in the side room somewhere and hide to pray and expect your children to become people of prayer. No. Grab them and kneel down beside the bed with them at night and pray. Get hungry for God. If you want your kids to be hungry for God, you be hungry for God. If you want your kids to experience the move of God in their life, then you let God move in your life. You hold the key to their personal relationship. What you say, how you conduct yourself, the stuff you allow yourself to get involved in, whether you're a person of prayer, whether you're a person that pursues God or not, will hold a strong bearing on the kind of kids that you produce. You know why? Because children's children are products of the environment in which they live. So I'm talking to you parents for a few minutes here. We've got to pursue God. We've got to get hungry for God. God has to become a priority in our life. I mean a priority. Lord, I'm going to serve you. Lord, I'm going to let, I'm going to let the desire for a relationship with you take over my life. And in that process, God will position you to receive His favor and His blessing and His abundance. You'll experience God in ways that you never thought were possible. It all begins with getting thirsty for God. Praying. Having communion with the Lord. Where has the holiness of moments of prayer went. You know what the Bible says? That we can boldly come to the throne of grace to obtain mercy to help us in our time of need. Jesus died to give you direct access to God. Why would we not take advantage of that? 
God loves you. God wants to have a relationship with you more than you want to have a relationship with Him. You take one step toward Him, He'll take ten steps towards you. His heart will be like, oh, finally. Finally. And you will never be more satisfied and more at peace than when you let God transition you into a worshiper. You know why? Because that's what you were created to be. Thank you for joining us today on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4, jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.